Hello friends and welcome to another herb review video. In this session we're going over the category herbs that drain dampness. Herbs that drain dampness. So in this category these herbs are of course dealing with dampness inside the body but when we say drain dampness we're, re we're specifically referring to the fact that these herbs promote urination to get rid of the dampness through that means. So if you remember before we had a category herbs that clear heat and dry dampness. And there, those herbs were just kind of drying the dampness out. It's like if you had a, a wet piece of cloth and you just set it out the, in the sun, the water dries out. So those herbs, we are using the bitter flavor to just dry the dampness out. Well, in this category, these herbs are getting rid of the dampness, but the way they do it is by promoting urination to drain the dampness out. And so here we're more using the bland flavor to promote urination. So in this category, herbs that drain dampness, that's what we're doing is promoting urination. And so in Bensky, we say the category name is herbs that drain dampness. If we look at the Nigel Weissman uh, translation for this, he says water disinhibiting dampness percolating medicinals. And this is kind of a mouthful, but I, I, I actually kind of like this translation. First of all, medicinals is just what he, the word he uses for herbs. So instead of herbs, just because sometimes we're not always dealing with plant parts, sometimes we're dealing with insects or minerals, he likes to use the word medicinal instead of herb. But this is very descriptive. We say water disinhibiting dampness percolating herbs. So water disinhibiting, it's like the water is inhibited. It's not moving. It's not, there's something inhibiting it from coming out. So what these herbs do is they disinhibit the water so that we can pee it out. Then we say dampness percolating, percolating. I think like that's how you make coffee is the water percolates down and drips down. So when we say water disinhibiting, we're disinhibiting the water and percolating the dampness out and downward. So that's what we're doing with these herbs. So we can kind of ask ourselves, what does dampness look like? If we're draining dampness, what kind of conditions are these herbs treating with this dampness? Well, at least in this category, when we say dampness, again, we're talking about promoting water metabolism and promoting urination to leach dampness out of the body. And so this, this is kind of the Bensky term that Nigel Weissman would say percolate dampness or disinhibit dampness. Bensky says leach out dampness by promoting urination. And again, this has to do with the problem of water metabolism, that this water is not being properly transformed, so it accumulates and uh, turns into dampness. So that's what we're doing is we're promoting urination. And from a, a biomedical perspective, we could say these herbs are diuretics. That's our Western term for promoting urination. But so what does this dampness look like, at least in the, um, in the context of this category when you talk about draining dampness? When we say dampness, we're really talking about two different situations. Number one, we can have fluid accumulation or water accumulation. And by this, we mean edema or thin phlegm. So what is edema? It's basically fluid accumulation. So for edema, you can think about like being puffy and swollen because you have water accumulation or fluid retention. 
sometimes maybe you can think about sometimes women have this before their period that they just feel bloated. And if you're like, oh, I'm retaining water, that water is inhibited. The water's not draining out properly. So I feel uh, bloated like I'm retaining water. Sometimes this happens a lot in elderly people when we get edema, especially in the lower body, that the legs start to swell up and accumulate fluids. Sometimes it can get so bad that you have these, um, we can call it pitting edema in the legs, that when you, you press in and leave a thumbprint, the thumbprint stays there. But sometimes it can get so bad, like if you needle spleen nine, when you pull out the needle, some fluid will come out with it. That's just, there's so much fluid accumulation in the lower legs. So that would be an example of edema or water accumulation, or um, maybe this is kind of a weird example that there used to be an old term, water on the knee. I think if uh, if you remember that old game Operation where you had to use little tweezers to pick out things and it would buzz at you, uh, that was one of the things is water on the knee and it had a little bucket of water on the knee. And basically what that refers to is a type of uh, arthritis-like condition where you have inflammation and swelling, but also water accumulation or fluid accumulation in that joint along with the inflammation and pain. So that they called water on the knee. And um, that might be another example of edema or the types of things that would be treating in terms of draining dampness. So that's number one is just fluid accumulation that we're not metabolizing the water properly and the fluid starts to accumulate. The other one is dampness combined with heat or damp heat conditions. And this is something that we kind of talked about with our category herbs that clear heat and dry dampness. And again, there we are using the bitter flavor to just dry the dampness out. Here we're dealing with some similar things. It's just that our way of dealing with the dampness is different is that we're draining it out through the urine. So those are kind of the two categories of conditions we're dealing with in this category, fluid accumulation and damp heat. So let's just say something quickly about this term that we looked at, thin phlegm. We say that this can be good for water accumulation or edema or this condition called thin phlegm. And so basically when we talk about phlegm in Chinese medicine, the Chinese term is Tan yin, tan yin, tan means phlegm, but it, so tan refers to the thick phlegm, the thick, viscous, sticky phlegm, the kind of stuff that you would cough up. That's tan. Yin refers to a thinner, more watery form of phlegm. And so Bensky translates this as thin phlegm, but um, Weissman uses the term room. So for yin, he says room, like rheumatism or rheumatoid arthritis. And so this refers to a thinner type of phlegm that can just, it's a watery substance that can collect in various parts of the body. I think we most commonly talk about thin, uh, room collecting in the stomach and intestines, but we can also have room collecting in the ribs, underneath the ribs, in the chest. We can have it collecting in the, um, in the limbs causing swelling. And so I just like to bring this up because a lot of times when we say thin phlegm, a lot of people think that we mean like the person has a runny nose. That if they have the sniffles and they have stuff dripping out their nose, they say, oh, that's thin phlegm. And really, that's not what we mean. Um, when we say yin as in thin phlegm or room, we're, re we're referring to something else, this uh, 
technically there are four types of room. We have like propping room, suspended room, and all this stuff. But it's referring to these very specific conditions of water accumulation inside the body in these various places. And so this is just like one time I got in this argument on Facebook about somebody saying, uh, what kind of what kind of formulas do you use when someone has the sniffles? And somebody responded like, oh, I like to use the formula Xiaoqing Longtong, minor blue-green dragon decoction. I was like, wait, like, really? This is like a very strong formula. It's a Mahong formula. It's for Taiyang excess. We use some very strong herbs like Mahong, some very hot herbs like Ganjang and Qixin. It's like, are you sure you should be using this for someone that has the sniffles? And their response was, well, yeah, in Bensky, it says that this formula transforms thin phlegm and that's what the sniffles are is thin phlegm and i was like no i mean i know it says thin phlegm but that's not what we mean and when bensky says thin phlegm he's he that's his translation for the word yin and tanyin or room and that's referring to things like thin phlegm collecting in the chest causing shortness of breath or things like that or one time I had a, a patient, a friend in school, that she had this um, water accumulating in the abdomen. It was actually making a sloshing sound in her abdomen. That's what we mean when we say thin phlegm. We don't mean like a runny nose or anything like that. So I just like to rant about that. That's the kind of thing we're treating when we say drain dampness. When we say thin phlegm, um, that's what we mean. We don't mean like runny nose. And I think that's also like a, a good argument for using Weissman terminology that a lot of people don't like his terminology. They think it's a mouthful or I think they, they think that the words are very unfamiliar. But in this situation, I think that's actually good that sometimes when we say thin phlegm, we already have some preconceived notion in our mind that is actually not correct. So if we use a word like phlegm room, you're like, what is room? That gives us a new idea of what we actually mean by this because our concept of thin phlegm or phlegm room in Chinese medicine might be very different than what we think of in, when we hear that word in English. So anyway, that's just a little rant about tanyin or phlegm room. Let's, but these are the types of things we're treating with these herbs or the herbs in this category is we can deal with general fluid accumulation like edema or thin phlegm, water accumulation, or conditions of damp heat. So when we say water accumulation, basically this, like we said, this is referring to there's some sort of obstruction of the normal metabolism of fluid in the lung. So if you remember back to FCM when we talked about fluid metabolism, the main things we were talking about were the lung, the spleen, and the kidney. We said the lung is the upper source of water or the lung regulates the water passages. In middle jowl, technically it's the stomach that absorbs the fluids, but the spleen has a role of transforming dampness. And then in the lower jowl, it's the kidney uh, metabolizes water. We can say the kidney steams the water back up to the lungs, or we can say the kidney like generates urine and sends it to the urinary bladder so it can be expelled out of the body. So those are the, the organs associated with water metabolism. And basically, if one of those organs shuts down and our water metabolism stops, then that fluid can accumulate. And that's what we mean by water accumulation. That fluid accumulates, we can get edema or swelling in the limbs. We can get edema in the lower body, swelling of the ankles, pitting edema in the legs. Or we can have edema or thin phlegm 
in the chest and abdomen. So that's what we mean. And those are the, the organs that we blame it on. So for acute edema, we might combine this with herbs that release the exterior. So sometimes an, an exterior attack can block some of that fluid metabolism in the lung. I think we talked about that in the warm acrid release the exterior category when we talked about ma huang uh, promoting urination and draining dampness. So we might combine it with some of those herbs. For chronic edema, we're usually combining it with herbs that either tonify qi or tonify yang. So if your spleen is deficient, then the spleen can no longer perform its function of transforming dampness. So we get this water accumulation. So we're going to drain the water and support the spleen. If we have kidney yang deficiency, there's insufficient fire of the kidneys to steam and transform the fluids, then we might want to tonify kidney yang with tonifying herbs plus using herbs that drain dampness to get rid of the water. So that's what we mean by water accumulation. We can also talk about damp heat. Basically, if we have this dampness in the body and it combines with heat, we get a condition of damp heat. And at least in this category, mainly what we're talking about when we say damp heat is Lynn syndrome, damp sores on the skin, and jaundice. So Lynn syndrome, I think we've talked about this before. Lynn syndrome, we sometimes translate this as painful urinary dribbling, uh, or Wiseman translates this as strangury. Now, it turns out, like, when I first read that, like, is that a real word, or is that, did he just make up that word? It turns out that is a real word. You can go look in the dictionary. Strangury is, is the condition we're talking about. Basically, to me, it sounds like we're strangling the urethra and so the, the urine can't come out. But basically when we say Lynn syndrome, we're talking about like UTI-like symptoms. So we say painful urinary dribbling, painful urination, rough urination, dribbling urination, as in the flow of the urine is not smooth. It just kind of dribbles out. Maybe you have a lot of urgency. It feels like you really have to go, but then when you get to the bathroom, it just kind of trickles out or it starts and stops. It doesn't come out smooth and can be very painful. And then we call that Lynn syndrome. I think in Chinese, I had, I had a Chinese teacher who described it to me like this, that um, like when you have a faucet and you try to tighten the faucet all the way, but it still kind of drips out. You get this drip, drip, drip coming out of the faucet. In Chinese, they call that Lin. So that's what we mean by Lin syndrome. And basically this uh, in Western medicine, this is like a UTI. And again, I just I just say UTI just because it's it's something that we're familiar with. But really, I don't want to make a one-to-one -one correspondence between Western medicine UTI and Chinese medicine Lin syndrome. Because sometimes we'll have people with this, uh, this painful urination or urgent urination or unsmooth urination. And then they go to the doctor and they get a culture and they say, well, technically there's no infection. Still in Chinese medicine, we might refer to it as Lin syndrome. So that's something you can think about. You can think about it as a UTI. Most people are familiar with those symptoms. But even if it's not technically a, an infection, if we still have that rough, painful, dribbling urination, we would still treat that as Lynn syndrome. And one of the ways uh, we diagnose that is damp heat. That damp heat is in the lower jowl. That damp heat is obstructing the smooth flow of urine so it can't come out. So the way we do it is we promote urination. We percolate dampness to get rid of that dampness so the urine can flow smoothly again. The other one is jaundice. Basically, your skin turns yellow. 
technically, I think we have two types of jaundice. We say yin jaundice and yang jaundice. And basically this refers to, it's usually a damp heat thing, but is it is it more dampness or is it more heat? So yang jaundice is more damp heat with a lot of heat, whereas yin jaundice is more dampness or even cold damp. And I think technically we make some differentiation based on the color, whereas like yang jaundice is more tangerine color, whereas yin jaundice is a different, I'm not very good with color, so I don't know. I would say just look at the tongue and pulse, but uh, we can talk about jaundice, yin jaundice or yang jaundice. Here we're probably talking more about the damp heat yang jaundice. So that's what we mean by draining dampness, and these are the types of conditions we're going to treat, mainly water accumulation as in edema, and damp heat as in Lynn syndrome, painful urination, or jaundice are the main things we're treating. So we look at the properties of these herbs. These herbs are either going to be bland or bitter. And so basically the herbs that are more for treating water accumulation and, and edema, those herbs are going to be bland because remember the bland flavor promotes urination to treat edema. But the ones for damp heat, those are more likely going to be bitter in flavor because the bitter flavor clears heat. So it's usually one or the other, bland or bitter, depending on whether more for water accumulation or whether they're more for damp heat. Temperature is going to be neutral or cold. Again, the ones that are more for edema are probably going to be more neutral in temperature, where the ones that are for damp heat are going to be cold because we want to use cold flavored medicinals to get rid of that heat. Channel entry, hopefully this, is, this makes sense as well. Kidney and UB, just because we're draining dampness. When we say draining dampness, we mean promoting urination. The organs that are involved with urination are the kidney and urinary bladder. We also say the spleen because, again, we're draining dampness and the spleen has an action of transforming dampness. So those are the organs involved with dampness and with urination. So some herbs might be more for the spleen and helping the spleen transform dampness and drain it out. Some herbs might be more belong to the kidney and UB and helping get things out of the lower jowl. Any cautions and contraindications? Use caution with yin deficiency. It's like we're draining dampness. That's we're getting rid of the fluids. If you're already dry, you don't want to get rid of the fluids that you have. So be cautious with yin deficiency and depleted fluids. And again, the main action is to promote urination. Again, when we say drain dampness, we mean promote urination. And the main things we're dealing with are edema or water accumulation, Lynn syndrome, painful, rough, scanty, difficult, unsmooth urination, painful urinary dribbling, Lynn syndrome, and jaundice. When you get that damp heat, makes your skin turn yellow. And so, like we said, these herbs may be combined with tonics. So again, if, you, if, uh, if your spleen don't work, your spleen's not transforming the dampness, we can drain the dampness, but we'll probably also want to tonify the spleen to take care of the root. If your kidney don't work, you don't not got enough kidney yang to transform that fluids and you end up with swollen ankles, yeah, we can use these herbs to drain the dampness, but we'll probably want to combine it with kidney yang tonics to take care of the root. Or we might combine it with herbs that clear heat and dry dampness. So if we have these damp heat conditions like uh, Lynn syndrome due to damp heat in the lower jowl, that damp heat is blocking the smooth flow of urine. On the one hand, we can drain the dampness, but we could also use those herbs that dry the dampness, herbs like Huang Bai or things like that. Uh, or same thing with jaundice, that we can use that those bitter flavor herbs to 
dry the dampness and drain the dampness at the same time. So it's very common to combine these herbs with other herbs that might treat the root condition. So when we look in Bensky, the Bensky text, when he has this category herbs that drain dampness, he just has one big category with all the herbs. And that's a lot of herbs. There are 21 herbs here. And so it's going to be kind of difficult to like, how do we differentiate these? How do we, how do we make sense of this huge list of herbs if all of these herbs drain dampness? Well, it turns out if we look at other books, and I specifically like the Nigel Weissman and Eric Brand Concise Materia Medica, when we look at his chapter on herbs that drain dampness, again, he doesn't call it herbs that drain dampness, he calls it water disinhibiting dampness percolating herbs. When we look at his book, he actually divides it into three separate categories based on which thing are we treating. Are we treating primarily edema, water accumulation? Are we treating primarily um, Lynn syndrome, painful urination? Or are we treating primarily jaundice? And so I think this is a little bit more helpful to divide it up into three categories. But of course, it's Nigel Weissman, so the name, the names of the categories are always kind of funny. So we have water disinhibiting, swelling, dispersing medicinals. So water disinhibiting, that means we're promoting urination. Swelling dispersing, that means we're treating edema. So this basically means we're promoting urination to treat edema. These are herbs that promote urination to treat edema. Urine disinhibiting, strangury-freeing medicinal. So urine disinhibiting just sounds like we're promoting urination. Strangury-freeing means we're treating Lynn syndrome or painful dribbling urination. So these are herbs that promote urination to treat Lynn syndrome. Then just over here, the last one, just one little herb is dampness disinhibiting jaundice abating medicinal. So again, this is an herb that promotes urination to... Um, to treat jaundice. So that's kind of the way that I like to do it. And that's, that's actually the way I was taught. And this is the, even though Bensky just had one big list of herbs, my Chinese teacher divided it up this way, the same way that Nigel Weissman does. But I mean, to be fair, I can kind of understand um, why Bensky does it the way he does, even though I prefer dividing it up into these three groups. I can understand the Bensky point of view where even though we can try to divide it into these three separate sections, not every herb fits really well into one section. It usually, most of these herbs can do more than one thing. So we just have to keep that in mind when we say this herb promotes urination to treat edema. It's not only for edema. It can also be used for Lynn syndrome if we want to and also it can also be used for other types of dampness. Or we say this is a Lynn syndrome herb. It can also be used for edema. Maybe it can be used for vaginal discharge and other types of damp heat. So we should just keep that in mind that these aren't very strict categories. But in terms of dealing with a category of 21 herbs, I do think it's kind of helpful to divide it up a little bit. So again, this is a lot of herbs. And so some of these herbs are very important. My you know, fooling is a very important herb. You need to know everything about that herb because it's going to come up very commonly. Other herbs, we might just mention it quickly and say one or two important things and move on. So again, not all herbs are equally important. So some of them we might just kind of go through rather quickly. But let's go ahead and get started. Our first herb is Fu Ling Poria. 
Fu Ling Poria. Fu Ling. So Fu Ling, if you look here, this um, it's kind of a, a soft white substance. It's, it's kind of easy to crush if you have your sample. And it turns out Fu Ling, this is a type of fungus. This is a type of fungus that grows around the root of, I think, a pine tree or a cypress tree. But this is a, a fungus that grows around a root. So that's Fu Ling Poria. And like we said, we divide these into three categories. Our first category is herbs that promote urination to edema, to treat edema. And fooling promotes urination to treat edema. Or if we look at Bensky, he says promotes urination to leach out dampness, to leach out, to get the dampness out of the body. Again, Nigel Weissman would say promotes your... Um, uh, disinhibits urination, so the urine, uh, urination might be inhibited, so we disinhibit it so it can uh, flow smoothly, or we can go with the Bensky way, leach out dampness, uh, specifically for edema, but can also be used for dampness causing diarrhea or even just difficult urination where disinhibiting the urine. So fuling, a very important herb for promoting urination, especially for treating edema. Well, what's also very important about fooling and what makes it a very famous herb is it tonifies spleen chi, tonifies spleen chi. So it's good for spleen chi deficiency with dampness. So this could be like loss of appetite. If you have this dampness collecting in the middle jowl, you're not necessarily going to feel very hungry because it's like you're already full of dampness. Uh, so loss of appetite, diarrhea, um, that the spleen can't properly transform the food. So we get this sticky diarrhea or distension, just feeling bloated. So fuling also tonifies spleen chi. And this is really convenient because like we said, when we talked about how does dampness form, one of the ways it forms is deficiency of spleen chi. The spleen is deficient. It can't properly transform dampness. So we get dampness and fluid accumulating. Fooling takes care of both. It tonifies a spleen and gets rid of the dampness. So sometimes it's like sometimes if we have spleen chi deficiency, that spleen chi deficiency can lead to dampness. But sometimes if we have dampness, that dampness can encumber the spleen and lead to spleen deficiency. So it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing. But luckily we got our fooling that can take care of both tonifying the spleen and promoting urination to leach out dampness. Other one here is fooling also calms the shen, calms the shen. So it's actually, we don't specifically say it tonifies the heart or anything like that. We usually just say it quiets the spirit or quiets the heart to deal with certain types of shen problems like palpitations or insomnia. So that's something that we'll also see come up in some of our formulas that fooling might be in certain formulas to calm the shen treating palpitations, anxiety, or insomnia. So fooling, again, we said a lot of these herbs are neutral in temperature. So fooling is neutral in temperature, and that's convenient. We can use it in both hot and cold situations. And then we look at the taste. It's sweet and bland. The fooling is both sweet and bland. It's sweet because it tonifies. The sweet flavor tonifies. So fooling tonifies spleen chi. And it's bland because the bland flavor promotes urination, to drain dampness. So if, if somebody ever asks you, like, what are the tastes of fuling, you don't necessarily need to memorize the tastes of every herb. But if I'm asking you, what are the tastes of fuling, what I'm really asking is, do you remember the two major functions of fuling? That it 
of course, because it's in this category, it promotes urination to drain dampness, so it's bland in flavor, but it also tonifies, and that means it's sweet in flavor as well. So in the case of Fuling, its tastes are very reflective of its major actions, so that's really convenient. Our dosage is slightly larger than normal, 9 to 15 grams, so it's a little bit uh, larger than normal. And again, channels kind of make sense. We said that well, water metabolism is usually happens in the, the lung, spleen, and kidney. So we're entering the lung, spleen, and kidney because those are our water organs. And it also enters the heart because we have this action of quieting the heart or calming the spirit. So that is fooling poria, fooling poria. And again, we said that this is the fungus that grows around the root of a tree. And it turns out we can actually use different parts of this fungus for slightly different properties or slightly different actions. It'll have a slightly different effect depending on which part of the fungus we use. So fooling just refers to regular fooling. Um, you sometimes see it like this in little curls. That's kind of the traditional way to, uh, they prepare it and basically it's this big block of fungus and it's like you're taking a vegetable peeler and peeling off thin slices and as you peel off those thin slices they curl up into a little tube so that's what it looks like here sometimes you'll see it sliced and so you'll have kind of big but thin slices and then some modern um uh, distributor. Sometimes I see it like chopped up into cubes. So it's very common to see this in very different ways. I think the, the curled up one is the most traditional, but you can also see it in thin slices or in cubes. So that's our just our regular fooling that has all of these actions. But it turns out we have a couple different forms. One of them is churfooling, churfooling, poria rubra, churfooling. This is red fooling. So chur means red, or in Latin, rubra means red. So this is red fooling. This is, I believe, more on the outer portion of the fooling, not close to the root, but closer to the outside. It's a little bit more red in color. And basically, because it's red fooling, it's good for uh, dampness when there's also heat signs. So if you remember, we said that regular fooling is neutral in temperature. Churfooling is slightly cold in temperature. So we're going to use churfooling when we have this edema, watery tension, signs of dampness. Well, we also have some heat signs uh, that might make us want to use churfooling because it's a little bit colder. So basically, you can think that red means heat. Churfooling does the same thing as fooling, but it's better at treating heat conditions. So that's Churfooling for edema with heat signs, or when you say scant, dark, difficult urination means some, there's some heat there. Another form is fooling pee, fooling pee, poria cutis, fooling pee. Remember, pee means skin or bark or peel. So fooling P is the skin of fooling. It's the outer portion of the fooling fungus. So P means skin or cutis, I assume means skin. Like when you talk about cutaneous, we're talking about the skin. So that's a Latin cutis, I assume means skin. But again, it's the skin of fooling. And the thing about it's the skin of fooling, so it's good for edema, 
under the skin. So edema under so not like not like we have water accumulating in the organs, but we have this edema right under the skin. It's something you can you can poke at and feel it there. So this is a very common thing we'll see that herbs that end with P are the skin of the herb and they're good for edema under the skin. So that's a fuling P, edema under the skin. It's a skin of fuling. It's good for edema under the skin. And finally, we have one called Fushan. Fushan is Poria sclerotium pararaticus. Fushan. Again, shen means root, like renshen is ginseng man root. Your fushen is the portion of fuling that includes the root. So this is, remember we said fuling is a fungus that grows around the root. Here we took a slice of it and that slice includes a cross section of the root. Or in Latin we say porisclerotium pararaticus. Radicus means root, so pararaticus means the part that's around the root. And so basically this does similar, that it promotes urination to leach out dampness. But, but this one, we emphasize the action of calming the shen. So fu shen calms the shen. So we're going to see this come up in formulas like, you may have heard of the formula gui pi tong. Gui pi tong, restore the spleen decoction. This is for spleen qi deficiency with heart blood deficiency, that a person has spleen qi deficiency and dampness, but this is causing them, um, because the spleen is deficient, it's not supplying enough blood to the heart, so you end up with palpitations, anxiety, insomnia. So this could be the uh, situation where we want to use fu shen because on the one hand we're supporting the spleen and getting rid of the dampness, but we're emphasizing this action of quieting the heart and calming the spirit. So fu shen is good for the shen. So basically, of all our forms, fu ling has all the major uh, major functions. It promotes urination to get rid of dampness, and it tonifies the spleen and calms the spirit. But I would focus on. It's good for dampness. It's good for tonifying the spleen. Churfuling is red fuling. Red means heat. Churfuling is good when we have heat signs. Fuling P is the skin of fuling. It's good for edema under the skin. And fu shen calms the shen. So those are the different forms of fuling. And I feel like this is something they like to ask questions about. So it, it may be that you'll get one or two questions about what are the various forms of fooling and what are their specialties. So I think that's something to keep in mind. And this is something that uh, a lot of times when you go into a clinic, you will see these different forms of fooling all right next to each other in the herb room that we actually we do make use of these different forms of fooling. So I think it's a good thing to know. And it's also just looking at the name, you can, you can usually tell the differences between those different forms. Next is juling, polyporous. Juling, polyporous. Polyporous, polyporous. It's juling. So we can see by the, the name in Chinese, sounds very similar to fuling. The name in Latin sounds very similar to poria. And if we look at our sample, it even looks kind of similar. This is just another type of fungus. Maybe the way we can tell it apart is juling always has this darker border around the outside, whereas fuling tends to be pure white. Juling has this, it's usually smaller pieces and has a darker border around the outside. Turns out juling is very similar to fuling. It 
promotes urination to leach out dampness, especially edema, diarrhea, vaginal discharge can be dampness in the lower jowl or difficult urination because there's dampness obstructing the smooth flow of urine. So juuling also leaches out dampness or disinhibits the disinhibits dampness, disinhibits urine. So it's very similar, but we can point out there are a few key differences between fooling and juuling. So one, juuling does not tonify spleen chi, does not tonify the middle jowl. So if we remember back to fooling, we said it's um it leaches out the dampness, but it also tonifies the spleen. Juuling does not do that. So that's one difference between fooling and juuling. Number two, juuling is colder than fooling. So remember, fooling is neutral in temperature. Juuling is slightly cool, so it has a colder temperature. And so again, we can we might deal more with things that have some possible heat signs associated with it. So juuling is colder than fooling. And juuling is better at promoting urination. So it doesn't really support the spleen as much, but it's much better at draining that dampness out. We could say it's diuretic action is much more powerful for juuling rather than fooling. So those might be some reasons why we would choose one versus the other. If we want a stronger action of promoting urination, maybe we'd go to juuling. If we wanted something a little bit more balanced between promoting urination and supporting a spleen, we might go to fooling. Honestly, in formulas, sometimes we use both together. We'll use the two in combination, but that might be important that we want to know the differences between fooling and juuling. So that's juuling, polyporous or polyporous. Next is zixie alismatis rhizoma. Zixie alismatis rhizoma. Zixie is water plantain. Zixie, water plantain. I guess water plantain is different from regular plantain that you would buy at the store, but I don't really like plantain, so I don't know very much about this, but it's apparently water plantain. So Zixie, it's, uh, we're in this category of herbs that promote urination to treat edema. So this is good for promoting urination to treat edema or for leaching out dampness. So this one, we say it's especially for dampness in the lower jowl. So if you remember when it went back to fooling, it entered the spleen and did a lot of spleen things. Zixie is more about kidney and UB, about things in the lower jowl. So we could say edema, but also difficult urination, vaginal discharge of the lower jowl thing. We got the dampness in the lower jowl, diarrhea and dizziness. Dizziness is kind of interesting. Again, if we're talking about thin phlegm, when you have that thin phlegm accumulating, that can actually cause dizziness. So Zixie is good for that. And we can also specifically, it's good, good for damp heat in the lower jowl. So again, this is something where even though we put it in this category of herbs that promote urination to treat edema, we see it's actually doing kind of both. It's, it's really good for, it is really good for treating edema, but it is also good for some of these damp heat conditions like Lynn syndrome or damp heat diarrhea, or you can say spermatorrhea as part of draining damp heat from the lower jowl. Um, this is just a note to myself. In Bensky, we say it settles ministerial fire. I think Weissman says more specifically it's good for deficiency heat. And so kind of the idea here, especially when we talk about like the spermatorrhea, kind of the idea here is if you have some yin deficiency, 
some kidney yin deficiency. You might end up with some heat in the lower jowl as a result of that yin deficiency. Remember, we just talked about that category, herbs that clear heat from deficiency. When you have some yin deficiency, you can end up with some heat. And it turns out by draining that damp heat from the lower jowl, that can take care of some of that deficiency heat. So again, one of our symptoms for kidney yin deficiency in men was seminal emission or spermatorrhea. And so it's kind of like we can use in that way. If we have some yin deficiency causing heat and that heat is accumulating in the lower jowl and combining with the dampness, then this can, by draining out that heat, that can help out with some of that yin deficiency. So, um, again, Zushie, really what I would think about with Zushie is where uh, it's very good at promoting urination, but I would think about lower jowl. Again, when you're talking about Fuling, we were talking a lot about the spleen and the spleen transforming dampness. Here we're talking more about kidney and UB and things in the lower jowl. So it might be good for lower body edema, swelling in the legs, but also stuff in the lower jowl itself as in difficult urination or vaginal discharge. So that's why I would remember out Zixie, alismatus rhizoma, is water plantain and think dampness in the lower jowl, promoting urination to get rid of dampness from the lower jowl, kidney UB. So that's Zixie. Next is Dongguazi, Benin Cassia semen. Dongguazi, Benin Cassia semen. This is winter melon seed. Dongguazi, Gua means melon, Z means seed. This is winter melon seed. So Dongguatsa is for, for its functions. Here we're, again, we're, we're draining dampness, but here we specifically say clears heat and drains dampness. So again, even though we're putting this in this category, uh, herbs that treat edema, we, we can still say this doesn't quite fit in there. We're really more saying this is clearing damp heat, but it's especially for vaginal discharge due to damp heat. So again, we're talking about damp heat in the lower jowl causing vaginal discharge. So that's Dongguatsa's specialty in terms of draining dampness. Think vaginal discharge. And then it also has an action of discharging pus. So for lung abscess and large intestine abscess. And I think we kind of talked about that in the heat toxicity category. We talked a lot about abscesses or accumulations of pus due to heat toxicity. And so here we have another herb that discharges pus for that lung abscess, and large intestine abscess. So that's Dongguatsu. And again, I think its specialty is a uh, vaginal discharge. I feel like they're like, I, mean, I was trying to think of some way, like some way to make a joke about remembering this, about so the fact that it's called Dongguatsu. Maybe you can make some joke about Dong, like if you get too much Dong, you're gonna end up with vaginal discharge. So that's the result of having too much Dong. Or you could have large intestine abscess, depending on where you like to put your dong. But it turns out we have it. We actually have another herb in this category with dong in the name, so maybe that's not a good way to remember it. But dongguatsa, think vaginal discharge. Oh, in this one, we can see the dosage is a little bit larger than normal, and because it's a seed, like we talked about with some of our other seeds, we need to crush it before cooking it. So that's dongguatsa. Benincassia semen winter melon seed causing 
excreting vaginal discharge. You got too much damp heat in your lower jaw from all that dong, all that winter dong. Han Fang Ji, Stefania Tetrandi Radix. Han Fang Ji, Stefania Tetrandi Radix. Han Fang Ji. So Han Fang Ji. We're in this category, herbs that promote urination to treat edema. Han Fang Ji promotes urination to treat edema. It's especially good for lower body edema. So again, when we say lower body edema, we can mean lower body as in low legs, or it can mean lower body as in the lower abdomen, lower jaw. So here we say for when we say lower body, we're saying damp leg chi. I believe uh, when Bensky says leg chi, this is a this is a specific type of disease, leg chi, and uh, it's similar to berry berry, which is a disease I'm not sure people get anymore. But if you want to look up berry berry, that's usually what we mean when we say leg chi, and presumably there are a couple different causes of leg chi, and this is specifically for damp type leg chi. So that's something that's we have dampness in the legs, gurgling sounds in the intestines, that's lower body, abdominal distension, ascites. So uh, Han Fang Ji, think lower body edema. The second function, and actually probably the more important function, is Han Fang Ji is expels wind damp to treat bee syndrome, especially for hot bee. So I can't remember if we talked very much about bee syndrome yet because it turns out in the next section, uh, our next category is herbs that treat bee syndrome. But if we remember bee syndrome, this is a condition of an external uh, invasion of wind cold damp. This wind cold damp gets into the channels and uh, obstructs or blocks or impedes the smooth flow of chi through the channels, causing pain. Uh, usually joint pain or difficulty bending and stretching the joints. Basically, B syndrome is like arthritis. And so that's something we'll talk about more in the next section. I think we've talked a, lot, a, little, a little bit before. We remember we talked about Chang Huo treats B syndrome. Chang Huo is better for B syndrome in the upper body. Du Huo is better for B syndrome in the lower body. And we said, think about uh, maybe you have somebody that they have some old knee injury. And when the weather outside is cold and damp and rainy, then they get this, uh, their achy knee acts up. They have some people that they can tell when it's going to rain because their knee starts acting up. And we could say that's, oh, that's a sign that the wind cold dampness of the environment is affecting the joints. It's obstructing the free flow of chi and causing joint pain. So that's B syndrome. And we normally say it's caused by a combination of wind, cold, and damp. Well, it turns out if that wind cold damp stays in your joints long enough, sometimes it can transform into heat and we get something called hot bee. So again, this is like arthritis, this is joint pain, but instead of being a cold condition, we can say that the, the joint is red, swollen, and warm to the touch. So that's what we mean by hot bee. So it turns out Han Fang Ji is treating this type of hot bee. Maybe think about like, um, a lot of times our example is rheumatoid arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. This, is, this isn't a condition where uh, my elbow gets sore when it's cold and damp. Rheumatoid arthritis tends to be swollen, red, and warm to the touch. So that's an example of hot bee. And it turns out Bensky 
puts Han Fangji in this category, Herbs That Drain Dampness. Other books like Nigel Weissman or Chen and Chen tend to put this category or tend to put this herb in the category herbs that expel wind dampness. So other books actually put this in the category herbs that treat bee syndrome because it has a strong action of treating bee. So we can say it has these two functions. It could be that the second one is actually more important because I think we don't necessarily have a whole lot of herbs that treat hot bee. So it could be that second function of treating bee syndrome is actually more important because a lot of books will put this in the category herbs that treat bee syndrome. So that's Han Fang Ji. It does promote urination to treat edema. Think lower body edema, but also, also think of treating bee syndrome. So that's Han Fang Ji. Stefania Tetrandri Radix. Han Fang Ji. You can think that this is Stefania Radix. If you look at the Latin name, Stefania, you can think of that Stefania, she's a hot bee. Uh, she's good, so she's good for hot bee. She's a that Han Fang Ji. Look at that. Look at that herb. It's a it's a sexy biatch. So Steph, Stephanie is a hot bee. She's good for hot bee. That Stephanie, she's got a lot of dampness in the lower jaw because I don't know. But Stephanie's a hot bee. She's good for treating hot bee. Han Fang Ji. E. E. Ren, coicus semen. E. E. Ren, coicus semen. E. E. Ren, coicus semen. This is Job's Tears. Actually, I don't know if you say Job's Tears or Job's Tears. So I guess somebody in the chat tell me is it Job's Tears or Job's Tears? Type it out so I can, so I don't keep saying the wrong thing. Eiren, coicus semen. So this is something, sometimes people call it pearl barley. People think it looks like barley. And it's true, it looks like barley. This is actually not barley. It's similar, but it's actually a different species. I talked to Warren Shear, wrote a cookbook about um, Chinese herbs called Ancient Wisdom Modern Kitchen. We did a, a podcast with him, and he said he very specifically researched this about the different different types of things. And he said he researched this and E.E. Ren, even though it looks like barley, it's a separate species from barley. So if you have some gluten thing or some issues with barley, E.E. Ren is actually totally separate. So even though it looks similar, it's a different thing. And you can't really substitute them either. Don't think that if you go to the store and next to the rice they have some barley. That's not the same thing as E.E. Ren. This is something different. So E.E. Ren, this is another important one um, that we see come up quite a bit. Yes, not quite a bit, but we can use it commonly, especially in food therapy. So E.E. Ren promotes urination and leaches out dampness. Again, for, I should say, mostly for edema and diarrhea. We could also say difficult urination, but this is the one we put in this category, herbs that promote urination to treat edema. I'd say it's mainly for edema. Very similar to fooling, it also tonifies spleen cheap. So this is another uh, herb that we'll see pop up very commonly in our spleen chi tonifying formulas because it has both an action of tonifying spleen chi and getting rid of the dampness because those two problems tend to go together. So E.E. Ren is another one that does both, that it promotes urination to get rid of dampness and supports the spleen. You can also say E.E. Ren treats B syndrome, especially when there's a joint mobility or spasms. So maybe not necessarily a painful condition, but more like mobility or spasms. And it's another one that can clear heat and discharge pus for lung abscess and large intestine abscess. 
So I guess those last two are kind of important. I would think more about the first two as being the major herbs. If you if you want to remember one or two things about Eidren, I would say promotes urination to leach out dampness and tonify spleen chi because one will we'll see this in some of our formulas for diarrhea due to dampness, due to spleen chi deficiency with dampness causing diarrhea. We'll see Eidren pop up there. And it's also going to be very common to use in food therapy. And so because even though we say it's technically not barley, it kind of looks like you can cook it like like the same way you'd cook barley. So it's very common if we want to give uh, somebody some food therapy recommendations for supporting the spleen and taking care of dampness, we might uh, prescribe congee, like a, a rice porridge, because rice is also very good for uh, supporting the spleen and draining dampness. We'll say cook some kanji, but then add in some ren to help tonify the spleen and drain dampness. But if we use it in decoction, notice the dosage is larger than normal just because this is like a food. It's very mild. So when we use it in decoction, our food type herbs, we tend to use a larger than average dosage. But we can say similar to fooling, I mean, it's slightly cold, but similar, it's sweet and bland. Again, it's bland because it's promoting urination. It's sweet because it's tonifying the spleen. So that's ren. And then maybe we can point out, remember uh, at the very beginning, we talked about powder, the different ways we can prepare the herbs in order to change or enhance its functions. Well, it turns out we can all, we can powder ren that we can dry fry it, which is basically you put it in a hot wok and just like toast it. You do put it in a wok, but with no oil. So that's what we call it dry frying. And then it becomes chow ren, and that enhances its ability to tonify the spleen. So if we have to choose between promoting urination and tonifying the spleen, if you want to do more tonifying the spleen, you can use the chow ren version of ren, the dry fried ren. So that's an example of using powder to alter or change the emphasis of the actions of an herb. So that's Eidren. Sarah's tell, telling me it's pronounced Job, like Job's tears. I think that well, I think he was a, a, care, a person in the Bible. I think the book of Job, we don't say the book of Job, it's the book of Job, so that makes sense. Job's tears. Or Koi or Koikis semen, Eidren. So again, think about uh, spleen chi deficiency dampness because we're taking care of both. And we're going to see this come up in our formulas for spleen chi deficiency diarrhea. So in terms of uh, getting rid of dampness, it's good for edema and good for diarrhea due to spleen chi deficiency dampness. So that's eidren, coicus semen, eidren. And here we have one that's... I was going to say, it's not, I don't want to say that it's not on the syllabus. I think it's, it is on the syllabus. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's on the NCCUM list, but um, another one I like to prefer to put in this category is Shengjiang P. Zingiberis rhizomatis cortex. Shengjiang P. This is ginger peel. So remember in warm acrid release the exterior, we talked about Shengjiang is ginger root, fresh ginger. Well, Shengjiang pea is the skin or the peel of ginger. So it turns out when we look in Bensky, or really any Materia Medica, not just Bensky, 
Usually they discuss Shengjiang tea alongside Shengjiang, which kind of makes sense. It's just a different form of the of the plant, of the root. But usually you put Shengjiang in the category Warmac could release the exterior. I kind of feel like Shengjiang tea belongs more in this category, herbs that drain dampness. And just because when we talk about Shengjiang tea, yes, it it may or may not have these other Shengjiang functions of promoting sweating grease and harmonizing the jiao, but it promotes urination to treat edema, especially for edema under the skin. So this is another example of this is the skin of the herb, so it's good for edema under the skin. So even though I think this slide is in our warm acid release the exterior category because that's where Bensky talks about it, I feel like it makes more sense here in this category just because Anytime I've seen Shengjiang P in a formula, it's for this function, for promoting urination to treat edema, especially for edema under the skin, because P means skin or peel or cortex. It's the skin of Shengjiang, so it's good for edema under the skin. And so here, those are our um, herbs from the category, uh, or from the Weissman section, herbs that treat edema or dampness disinhibiting water or swelling dispersing medicine herbs that treat edema. So maybe we can just mention a few formulas that kind of illustrate this. So uh, one major one is Wulangsan, which does not regulate the middle pill. It looks like I made a I made a mistake in my slides. Wulangsan does not regulate the middle pill. Looks like I made a copy paste there. Wulangsan is Five ingredient with poria powder, wulangsan. Wu means five. Ling means fooling or juling. Uh, san means powder. Uh, wulangsan, five ingredient with poria powder. And so we can say this is this is actually a, a Zhongzhongjing formula. And it was originally for this Taiyang disorder where we have a, a water buildup. It's a, like a Taiyang excess uh, sort of thing. Not sure we really treat a whole lot of Taiyang syndrome in the clinic, but it turns out we can also use it for spleen qi deficiency leading to water accumulation. So edema, heaviness in the body, diarrhea due to dampness or water, urinary difficulty because there's urine blocking the smooth flow of urine, possible vomiting and diarrhea. So this is uh, the spleen crapped out. The spleen is no longer, it's failing in its function to transform dampness, so we get this water accumulation. And so we can see uh, some of our our herbs from this category. Zixie, draining dampness. And here we have this combination of both fooling and juling. So here's an example where we're using both of them together, fooling plus juling. So this is an example of when the spleen fails to transform water and dampness, we get things like edema, heavy body, urinary difficulty. We'll use these herbs like zuxie, fuling, juling. You can notice guizhi is also there. Guizhi, cinnamon twig. So if you remember way back to Warmac could release the exterior, we said guizhi is really good for Taiyang deficiency, and that's why we have this Taiyang disorder. But if you remember the second function of guajer, it has this action of warming and unblocking. And one of the things that we said is it warms the UB and unblocks the UB, uh, 
so that the urine can flow. And so wager, it's a warm. We said it uh, helps warm, warm that has some action of helping out the spleen as well. So here we're dealing with the spleen, but we're also using the action of unblocking the UB to deal with urinary retention. So we have guajur, that's an herb that we've seen before, but we're using it for that function. Baiju is a very famous herb for tonifying spleen qi. So baiju and fuling as a combination we'll see together quite a bit because baiju is good for tonifying the spleen, fuling good for draining dampness. So here's an example of uh, what we mean when we say water accumulation or edema. And here's an example of uh, a formula we might use when spleen is deficient and can no longer transform water. So we're taking this dual action of tonifying the spleen and promoting urination to get rid of the water. So that's wulingsan. We have another one called wupisan, five peel powder, wupisan. Here I actually use the correct English name. Wupisan, five peel powder. Again, pee means skin or peel or bark or outer layer. And so here we have five ingredients. All of them have pee in the name and Again, we specifically, we see fuling pee. Remember fuling, we had all those different forms of fuling. Regular fuling is good for tonifying the spleen and draining dampness. Uh, true fuling is good for edema, but when, or urination problems when there's heat signs, red means heat. Uh, fuling pee is the skin of fuling, so it's good for edema under the skin. Fu shen is good for the shen. So here in our five pee, our five skin powder, we see fuling pee. And then again, we see our shengjiang pee. The skin of shengjiang is good for edema under the skin. So we have, this is good for skin edema, generalized edema heaviness, but again, edema under the skin. We see our tongue coat has a white greasy coat because of the dampness. This is dampness accumulating and a deep pulse. So that's wu on five peel. And so that's, just like to throw that in as an example of when we might choose fooling P rather than just regular fooling. Here's an example of where it comes up. So those were our herbs that are mainly for treating edema. Again, not all of them just treated only edema. There's some overlap. But next we move into our herbs that treat Lin syndrome. Lin syndrome. Uh, Weisman called this urine disinhibiting strangury freeing medicinals. And we hit, when he says strangury, he means Lin syndrome or painful, rough, difficult urination where the urine is not flowing smoothly. This is usually due to a damp heat pathogen blocking the smooth flow of urine. So the urine can't get out. It dribbles or is rough or is painful. So later when you get into, uh, I think later semesters of FCM or diagnosis and treatment, whatever you call those classes. Later, we'll talk about the seven types of Lin syndrome. There are seven types of Lin syndrome. Here, we're just going to talk about the first four because those are the more interesting. Those are the ones we're get, that are going to come up in this category. So when we talk about Lin syndrome, we're talking about this rough, painful, difficult urination, but we have a, usually due to a damp heat pathogen, but we have a couple types. We have uh, heat strangury or hotlin, zhulin. And so this is, we have a damp heat uh, pathogen blocking the smooth flow of urine. Um, 
And our main symptom is a burning sensation. This is hot lens, so we have a lot of heat signs. When we say damp heat, it's the heat that's predominant. And so we have a lot of painful burning sensation uh, with urination. We have bloody lin or blood strangury or shui lin. Shui means blood. And so this is lin syndrome, difficult, painful, rough urination when there's blood in the urine. So this is very typical of a UTI, a urinary tract infection. We'll have this urgent but scanty urination with blood in the urine. So that's shui lin, bloody lin. Cloudy lin or... Is cloudy strangury. I forget what I forget what Weisman, how Weisman translates this, but I have seen it as cloudy lin or gao lin in Chinese. Cloudy lin, and then you might say milky strangury, milky lin, milky or cloudy. Um, here the urine is cloudy or milky. Why is it cloudy or milky? Uh, two possibilities: excess and deficiency. In an excess case of cloudy Lin syndrome, the reason the urine is cloudy is because there's dampness. There's like there's in terms of a damp heat pathogen blocking the smooth flow of urine. This is there's a lot of dampness, and that dampness is coming out in the urine and turning the urine cloudy or milky. So that's one type of Gao Lin. Then we also have a deficiency type of Gao Lin. With deficiency, what's happening is because the because there's deficiency, the kidneys can't hold in the essence, and so there's essence that's leaking out with the urine, and so that essence is turning the urine cloudy or milky. So it's like, I'm trying to preserve my jing, but my jing is coming out in my urine. It's turning it cloudy. But that can happen with both men and women. That cloudiness could be a sign that the essence is leaking out with the urine. And then we say stonelin. We can say uh, stonelin, sherlin. Or sometimes we say shalin, sandlin. That they're they're very similar. It's just stonelin means like urinary tract stones, kidney stones. You got stones coming out. Shalin means sandlin. It's just it's like there's sand coming out, which I which I'd assume means they're smaller particles. They haven't yet formed the big rocks. It's more like a sand thing. But there we're basically talking about kidney stones or urinary tract stones, and so. Those are different types of lin, and we might see some of these pop up, that some of our herbs might be, they're all good for lin syndrome, but some might be better for certain types of lin syndrome. So that's something we're going to pay attention to with our herbs that treat lin syndrome. So our first one is chichianza, plantagena semen. Chichianza, plantagena semen. This is plantain seed. So we talked about Water plantain, zushie. Now we have plantain seed, chichianzi, plantagena semen. So, so we've kind of moved into the section of herbs that treat Lin syndrome, herbs that are promoting urination but treating a damp heat condition of painful dribbling urination. So chichianzi promotes promotes urination and clears damp heat. Uh, it's good for Lin syndrome or edema due to damp heat. So again, there's some overlap. It's not like it only treats a Lin syndrome and we completely left edema behind. It still treats edema, but here we're talking specifically about damp heat. So more for edema, um, or more for Lin syndrome or edema due to damp heat. This is also interesting. We can also say it promotes urination to solidify the stool for diarrhea due to damp heat or damp summer heat. So kind of if you remember when you talk about damp heat, it's very common that 
uh, loose stool, sloppy stool, or diarrhea is a condition that occur with damp heat. We're going to have sticky, loose stool uh, because there's damp heat. And so what we're saying here is to get rid of that damp heat, we can uh, guide that damp heat out through the urine. And once we get rid of the damp heat through the urine, that will take care of the diarrhea. So that's kind of, that's kind of interesting that we're even by promoting urination, we're treating the diarrhea. But again, kind of the, the underlying factor here is we're getting rid of the damp heat through the urine. We're disinhibiting the urine so that damp heat can come out. So that's Chichenza. Think damp heat. Mostly that I would think damp heat wind syndrome, but think about promoting urination to get rid of damp heat. Chichenza also has an action of clearing liver heat to brighten eyes. I think this is something that we talked about before. When we talk about the liver, uh, the eyes are governed by the liver. So when we have heat in the liver channel, we can have eye problems like dry eyes, red eyes, itchy eyes, uh, swollen eyes. And so we have this action, clear liver heat to brighten eyes. I think we talked about this before with uh, Xiaoku Zhao in the drain fire category and Jui Mingzi in the drain fire category. Those are two very famous herbs for having this action of clearing liver heat to brighten eyes. So those are some other herbs with that action. Now we have one more. Chichenza is another one that clears liver heat to brighten eyes. I think technically Bensky says this can also be for eye problems due to blood deficiency, but it's going to depend on how we combine it with other herbs. If we combine it with other tonifying herbs like gochitsa, then we can use it for uh, eye problems due to blood deficiency. Or uh, if we combine it with heat cleaning herbs, we can use it for uh, eye problems due to liver heat, liver yang rise. And so chichenza is another herb that clears liver heat to brighten eyes. Also clears lung heat for cough with copious phlegm. I can't think of anything off the top of my head where we use this for this herb for the action. So I think the main one is for promoting urination to clear damp heat. I would think of chuchienza as uh, promoting urination to clear damp heat. And if you have your sample of uh, chuchienza, I don't know if you can tell from the, this picture, but these are very tiny seeds. These are very tiny seeds. And what happens is they're so small when you cook it into a decoction, if you pour your decoction through a strainer, Oftentimes these seeds are small enough that they'll go right through the strainer and you end up with like a bunch of chuchienza in your herbal decoction and people don't like that. So we often have this uh, thing of this instruction of when we cook chuchienza, put it in a tea bag, put it in one, basically a tea bag just so that uh, these little seeds don't slip through the strainer and end up in your decoction. So that's Chichienza plantain seed, promoting urination to take care of damp heat, especially for Lin syndrome or difficult, rough, painful urination. Chichienza. Hua shi talcum. Hua shi talcum. Hua shi is talcum or talc or the a powder. You can see I, I didn't put a picture here because it turns out like it's like talcum. It's a white powder. It turns out it's really hard to take a picture of a white powder. I think um, I, I think I had some slides where I just uh, I 
Googled white powder and I like found a picture of cocaine and that's kind of what it looks like. It's just a pile of white powder. Uh, I think baby powder is talcum or talc. Hua shi. So hua shi, uh, we're in this category of treating Lin syndrome. So it promotes urination to treat Lin syndrome. So hua shi, talcum, promotes urination to treat Lin syndrome. And again, we can think about this. It's a mineral. It's a white mineral. Maybe you can think it looks like ice. So it's good for clearing heat, specifically promoting urination to treat Lin syndrome. This is a very important herb for treating hot Lin syndrome. So zhe lin are uh, painful, rough, difficult urination where a burning sensation is one of our key symptoms for hot lin. We can also use this for diarrhea due to damp heat. So again, we're getting rid of that uh, damp heat and that will help out with the diarrhea. So hua shi is promoting urination to get rid of damp heat, specifically for hot lin and for diarrhea due to damp heat. What's also interesting about hua shi is it clears summer heat as well. Hua shi clears summer heat. So I think so far we've learned um, a few herbs with this action of clearing summer heat. It turns out we don't have a specific category of clearing summer heat, but we they're kind of scattered throughout our other categories. So I think our most famous one is xi gua, watermelon. Xi gua is good for summer heat because you eat watermelon during the summer. Other food items we talked about were yudo and he ye. Yudo is green bean or mung bean. Yudo clear summer heat and he ye is lotus leaf also clear summer heat. We also talked about ching hao, uh, sweet wormwood or artemisia. Ching hao from the clear deficiency category, clear summer heat. And now we have another one, hua shi, clear summer heat. Of all those, I think I think um, xi gua is probably the easiest to take, you can just, if uh, if it gets hot during the summer, you can tell your patients, eat some watermelon, beat the heat. It's gonna clear out some of that heat, generate some fluids and promote urination to deal with summer heat. Uh, hua shi, it turns out, I think is a very important one because we do have a formula called liu yi san. Liu yi san, six to one powder. This is like, basically on our NCCM list, there is one formula that's good for summer heat and it's liu yi san. Uh, Liu Isan is two herbs, Hua Shur plus Gan Sao licorice in a six to one ratio. So six parts Hua Shur, one part Gan Sao. So basically we have one formula that's good for summer heat. The main ingredient is Hua Shur. Probably a good idea to remember that Hua Shur treats summer heat. And also this is talc, so we can use it topically to treat damp related skin problems. So we can say that hua shi absorbs dampness when we use it topically because it's like a powder. It's baby powder. So for things like eczema, damp sores, summer rash, think about you're hot and sweaty during the summer, you can use some of that hua shi to absorb some of that dampness. It's kind of like I got those fat thighs and so when it's hot my fat thighs rub together and they create a lot of heat and dampness and I get these rashes down there. You can use hua shi to absorb some of that dampness. So maybe that's how you can remember hua shi besides promoting urination to treat Lin syndrome. The, this kind of summer heat and skin problems go together because usually you get hot and sweaty and damp and have all these problems with the during the summer where your damp skin is rubbing together. But you can also use it internally for uh, internal signs of summer heat. 
um, like our fever, headache, difficult urination, things like that. So that's hua shi. Uh, hua shi, again, it has this um, a cooking instruction of hua shi as a powder. So we want to put it in a bag, like a tea bag. Otherwise, we'll just have this talcum floating in our decoction, and that is not pleasant to drink. So hua shi, if we're going to cook it in decoction, we need to put it in a tea bag just so we don't end up with a with a powdery decoction. And as for the name, hua means slippery and sure means stone. So hua sure is slippery stone. So maybe you can think that it's hot and you're hot and sweaty and so you get all slippery. Uh, or you can think of you have some damp heat obstructing the lower jowl, obstructing the smooth flow of urine. So hua sure makes things slippery. So now the urine can come out instead of being difficult and painful and inhibited. We're making that we're making everything slippery. So it comes right out. Hua sure, slippery stone. And whenever I talk about hua sure and say it's like talcum or baby powder, people are always asking me, doesn't that stuff cause cancer? And honestly, I don't know. I tried to read up on this, and it seems like everybody says something different. As far as I can tell, when we talk about talc causing cancer, I believe this was specifically Johnson and Johnson. This is I don't want to get sued. I believe this was specifically one manufacturer of baby powder had certain manufacturing problems where their baby powder may have ended up with asbestos in it. So I think it has something to do with the mining practices of a specific company that was making baby powder. I'm not entirely sure if pure talc causes, uh, would cause any of these problems by itself. So people always ask me that. I'm like, I, I don't really know. If you want to go look up talcum and read for yourself. Um, but one application of this, if you remember before in the heat toxicity category, we talked about this uh, formula, Qingdaisan, indigo powder, Qingdaisan, indigo powder. And of course, in Qingdaisan, the main ingredient is Qingdai. Remember we talked about Qingdai in the clear heat resolve toxicity category? It's especially good for rashes and skin problems. So we brought this, uh, this powder up before in that category. We can take Qingdaisan, we can use it as a powder and apply it topically, or we can mix it like with a Vaseline or petroleum jelly and make it into a plaster and called Qingdai Gao, Qingdai plaster. Anyway, if you remember, we were talking about this is good for all types of skin disorder due to dampness and itching. So all types of skin disorders that prevent that present with erosion, heat, swelling, itching, and pain. Things like acute eczema, contact dermatitis, and that means like poison oak, poison ivy, uh, plant things, allergic dermatitis. So all these things where you have itchiness and dampness in the skin. We said Qingdai is from our heat toxicity category. It's indigo. It's especially good for skin problems. Shu Shergao, remember we talked about that in the drain fire category. Shergao, we can take it internally. And it's good for lung and stomach heat. It's good for yang ming channel heat. But shergao, we can cook it or calcine it and it becomes shu shergao or duan shergao. Then we can crush it into a powder. And it's good for clearing heat topically from the skin. Well, when we talked about that, we said there's another powder in there, another white stone powder, uh, hua shi. And so here we see 
hua shi is being used applied topically to take care of these skin problems. And we also have huang bai from the damp heat category, clear heat, dry dampness. This is another one we can use topically to take care of skin problems. So this is an example of hua shi talcum being used in a topical formula to help with certain skin disorders. So that's just something I like to bring up because this is a kind of a fun example. It's kind of a, a fun thing to make in class. Sometimes I would use this as a class demonstration. We would mix these together and turn it into qing dai gao. So that's hua shi, talcum. Again, like we said, we want to put it in a bag because it's a powder. That's hua shi, talcum, or slippery stone. So it's good for summer heat. We don't have a lot of herbs that treat summer heat, so we should probably remember hua shi for summer heat. And also a very important herb for Hot Lin Syndrome. Mutong Akebiae Collis. Mutong Akebiae Collis. This is a very, this is a good one. The name is very important. We'll talk about that later. But Mutong Akebiae Collis is in this category of promoting urination to treat Lin Syndrome. So it's good for promoting urination to treat Lin Syndrome for difficult urination due to damp heat in the lower jowl. That's what that's just what we mean by Lin syndrome. There's a damp heat pathogen blocking the smooth flow of urine. So by promoting urination, we're getting rid of that damp heat and uh, helping with the Lin syndrome. But what's also important about Mutong is it also clears heart heat for the condition of heart heat pouring into small intestine. So Mutong treats heart heat pouring into small intestine. So if you remember, I believe we did talk about this before. I believe we talked about this in the category herbs that drain fire, and we talked about it with the herb Danjuye, Lofateri herba, Danjuye bland bamboo leaf. That's another herb that has a specific function of clearing heart heat for heart heat pouring into the small intestine. So if you remember what we said is there are three main symptoms or three categories of symptoms for heart heat. If we have heat in the heart, we're going to see shen problems. That heat disturbs the spirit. So we're going to see shen problems like anxiety, insomnia, irritability, palpitation. The heart starts pounding or racing in your chest. We can consider that a shen problem. So number one, heat disturbs the shen and causes shen problems. Number two is we're going to see mouth sores or tongue sores that the heart sprouts in the tongue. So when we have heart heat, it's very common to see mouth sores or tongue sores. And number three was urination problems. And the way we explain this, the urination problems, we say heart heat is pouring into the small intestine. So there's heat in the heart. That, that heat goes to the yin-yang pair of the heart, the small intestine. And now we have heat in the small intestine. It goes to the ta-yang pair, the urinary bladder. And then we get urination problems, difficult, rough, painful urination. So that's how we explain heart heat pouring into the small intestine, causing urination problems. So here, mutong is treating this. Heart heat pouring in the small intestine for like irritability or shun problems, irritability, anxiety, insomnia mouth sores because the heart sprouts in the tongue. So heat in the heart will go up into the mouth and cause mouth sores. And difficult urination due to heart heat pouring into the small intestine. So mutong, a very important herb for heart heat pouring into the small intestine. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Mutong, we also say it promotes lactation. Um, so this would be 
uh, for poor lactation, and I think we say specifically due to blood stagnation. That we talk about uh, poor lactation, insufficient lactation, there's not enough breast milk coming out. Basically our two possibilities is we might have some deficiency, usually blood deficiency, that there's not enough blood or um, nourishment to actually produce the milk, and that's why we have insufficient lactation. Or it could be that there, the milk is there, there's enough of it, but it's not flowing out. So we can have lactation due to stagnation. That's usually what we're talking about with mutong. And then we can say that mutong unblocks the channels to treat B syndromes, or sometimes we say it unblocks the blood vessels. That's why it's good for certain types of blood stagnation. So stagnation causing insufficient lactation, stagnation causing amenorrhea, or stagnation causing B syndrome, we can specifically for hot B or B. So again, I would say the name of this herb is important because mu means wood. It's like the when we talk about the five phases, the wood phase is mu means wood, or I think tree is a better translation for that because when we say mu, we're not necessarily talking about lumber or dead wood that you would build a house with. We're more talking about trees that grow upward and spread outward because that's the, that's what the liver does. The liver goes upward and spreads outward. Uh, the color of wood is green, so we're talking about green wood when we say mu. That's not important. What's more important is tong, first tone, means free flow. So tong means unblock or free flow. So like there's a very famous saying in Chinese medicine, bu tong, zi tong. Tongzibutong. Uh, so it's kind of fun when you say it fast. It's butongzitong, tongzibutong. And what that means is basically where there's stagnation, there's pain. Where there's pain, there's stagnation. So this is a very uh, kind of a famous saying in Chinese medicine. So it turns it's kind of fun because tong, fourth tone, means pain. Tong, first tone, means free flow. So we're saying uh, where there's a lack of free flow, you have pain. Where there's pain, there's a lack of free flow. So I guess the point here is tong, first tone, means uh, free flow or uninhibited. Or last time when we talked about the downward draining herbs, we talked about this phrase, free the stool, that these, uh, these downward draining herbs unblock the intestines and free the stool. That, er, that word there we were using is tong, first tone. And so in the name of this herb, it means free flow or unblock. And that's what this herb is doing. It's unblocking the, the urine. It's unblocking and creating smooth flow of urine by treating Lynn syndrome. It's unblocking the smooth flow of breast milk to promote lactation. It's unblocking the blood vessels to treat amenorrhea and stagnation. It's unblocking the channels to treat B syndrome. So we say tong, unblocking. That's telling us the functions of these herbs. So mu tong, tong means unblock or free flow or freeing, freeing the movement. And so that's what we're doing. We're freeing the, we're freeing the urine so it can come out smoothly. We're freeing the breast milk so it can come out smoothly. And we're freeing the channels to treat that B syndrome. So that's mu tong, akebia callus, very important for treating Lin syndrome. Uh, difficult urination, and also we should especially say it's good for heart heat pouring into the small intestine. So it turns out this comes up in a formula called Daochersan, guide out the red powder. Daochersan, guide out the red powder. 
And we can say this is a formula for heart heat pouring into the small intestine. So irritability, heat in the chest, thirst with a desire for cold drinks is a sign of heat, red face, sores in the mouth, because again, the heart sprouts in the tongue, so that heat in the heart comes up into the tongue. Also for dark, scanty, rough, painful urination. Basically, Lynn syndrome, or difficult urination due to heart heat pouring into the small intestine. The tongue is red because of the heat, the pulse is rapid because of the heat. And it turns out that our main herbs are the ones we talked about, mutong, akebiacollis, and danjuye, lofateri herba. Both of these herbs have this very um, distinct or funny action of clearing heart heat pouring into the small intestine, and here they're used together in a formula for heart heat pouring in the small intestine. So maybe it's a good idea to remember that mutong and donjuye are good for heart heat pouring into the small intestine, specifically manifesting as rough, dark, scanty, painful urination, but also for irritability, shen problems, and mouth sores. So that's mutong, akebiacollis, heart heat pouring in the small intestine. It turns out we have another one called dengxinzao, uh, junki medulla or junxi medulla, Again, uh, uh, apologies to the native Chinese speakers. I'm very bad at pronouncing the pronouncing the word zao. People, a lot of Chinese people tell me it sounds like zao, like da zao de zao. So I have, I have trouble with this uh, this consonant in particular when I say zao. So if it sounds like I'm saying deng xin zao, sorry. Anyway, deng xin zao promotes urination to treat Lin syndrome. And we're in this category of promoting urination treat Lin syndrome. Dong Xin Sao promotes urination treat Lin syndrome. Not a whole lot else to say. We can also say that Dong Xin Sao also has this action of clearing heart heat for heart heat pouring into the small intestine. But again, it's it's a little bit more mild than Mu Tong. You, if you remember our, our formula, Dao Chersan, Mu Tong was there, but Dong Xin Sao was not there. So it's a little bit more mild. We don't necessarily use it. But it is good, especially for childhood sleep disorders. So, that, so this is a little bit more mild. So we use it for children. When, those ch when children have heat in the heart, it manifests as shen problems. In this case, insomnia, sleep disorders, where they have some irritability and also some dark, scanty urine. Or uh, our specific type of shen problem is night terrors due to heat in the heart. So that's when we use dengxin sao. And we can also say it's for insomnia due to... Uh, kidney and heart not communicating. This is something we'll talk about later, though. Normally, the water of the kidney is supposed to balance out the fire of the heart. So if, if kidney water is deficient, it doesn't come up and cool off the heart, and so the heart fire flares out of control, and we call that uh, heart and kidney miscommunication, or heart and kidney not communicating. So we can say this is an error for insomnia due to that type of pattern. But basically, uh, in addition, we, we definitely want to know that it's good for uh, urination problems due to uh, damp heat. So it promotes urination to treat Lin syndrome. But it's also good for heart heat causing Shen problems and this uh, heart heat pouring into the small intestine. So the way I remembered this, uh, initially the way I remembered this, is if you look at the name Deng Xin Sao, that Xin, the character Xin means heart. So Deng Xin Sao has the word heart in it. It's good for clearing heart heat, especially for heart heat pouring into the small intestine. So 
When I was in school, that's how I remembered it is Xin means heart. It's good for clearing heart heat. Later, when I started teaching, I had a Chinese student who said, yes, it's true that Xin does indeed mean heart. However, as a compound term, Dang Xin, when you put them together, means lamp wick. So Dang Xin Sao is lamp wick herb. It's kind of like if you have an oil lamp and you're, you're lighting the way, uh, Dang Xin Sao lamp, is lamp wick. It, the herb actually looks like this lamp wick that's um, lighting, the, lighting the lamp. And so you can think about Dang Xin Sao as lamp wick herb. If you have a child who's, who can't sleep and is afraid of the dark, it could be that you'll want to light a nightlight. You'll want to have a, they're afraid of the dark, so you turn on a nightlight or you light a lamp. And so that can maybe help you remember that lamp wick herb is good for night terrors or childhood sleep disorders. So that's dung xin sao, junxi medulla. Either think of xin means heart, so it's good for heart heat. Or you can think of it's a lamp wick. You're turning on a nightlight for your children who can't sleep. So that's Deng Xin Cao, Junxi Medulla. I guess that sounds like a lot more wholesome than the, the Dong comments I was making later or earlier, or uh, Stephanie being a hot bee. So sorry we're mixing those two. Now we're talking about children who can't sleep. Anyway, next is Chumai, Dianthi Herba, promotes urination to, to treat Lin syndrome especially for Shuelin or Bloody Lin. So it promotes urination to treat Lin syndrome. It's good for any type of Lin syndrome, but we, we especially for blood in the urine. And it also invigorates blood. But again, it's not a major herb. It turns out we have an entire category of herbs that invigorate blood. So this would be more of a secondary herb. So Chumai, just think Lin syndrome. If you want to remember anything special, think about blood in the urine. Bien Shu. Promotes urination to treat Lin syndrome for Lin syndrome due to damp heat. So yeah, good for it's in it's good for Lin syndrome. If we wanted to add anything else, we can say this is another herb that's good for parasites. And again, when we say parasites in Chinese medicine, we can mean real intestinal parasites like tapeworm, hookworm, pinworm, or we can mean for fungal infections like tinea, damp skin, lesions with itching. So sometimes we mean real infections or sometimes we mean fungal infections. Actually, I put hookworm there. I think hookworm isn't actually a worm. I think hookworm is a fungal infection. So either one. We're talking about uh, intestinal worms or we're talking about itchy skin fungus infections. So And it turns out these two are often used together as paired herbs. We could say this is the Dueya pair, Chumai plus Bian Shu. And it's good for um, treating Lin syndrome. I think when I said bien chou, is that sounded more French than Chinese, so it's getting late. Um, but yeah, damp heat Lin syndrome, chumai bien chou. Just kind of remember they belong to this category. Uh, Difutsa, kokiai fructus. Difutsu. Now, D means earth, Z means seed. I don't remember what the other one means. Difutsa, kokiai, it's. Promotes urination to treat Lin syndrome. Uh, it's also just good for damp heat, so we can use it either internally in a decoction or we can use it externally as a wash for treating skin problems due to damp heat. So eczema, scabies, fungal, fungal infections, genital itching. So if you remember before when we talked about some of the some of the damp heat herbs, we mentioned this um, uh, patent formula called Yin Care that you can you can go you can find this on Amazon Yin Care. 
and it's something that we can use for these damp heat skin problems. We can use, we can use it for like regular skin problems, but we can actually, it comes with like a, a douche applicator. So a lot of people use it um, as a douche as a, uh, for like yeast infections for vaginal issues. And so we, we looked at some of the herbs there. A lot of them were damp heat herbs. We had things like Huangbai, clearing heat and drying dampness from the low, lower jowl. Kushen, bitter root. Remember, Kushen is good for your cooch. So it showed up in there in that formula. It turns out Difutsa is another one that's in this uh, formula, Yin Care, for these damp heat skin problems. So in addition, we can take it internally to promote urination and get rid of the damp heat that way. We can also apply it externally for these damp heat skin problems. And one example of that is this formula, Yin Care. So that's Difutsa, Kogia Fructus. Oh, we're still going. B. Xie, Discoria, Hypoglauci, Rhizoma. B. Xie, B. Xie. Um, promotes urination to treat Lin syndrome. I'm not sure this is a very commonly used herb. Um, so I'd, I'd mostly remember it belongs to this category of uh, draining dampness, but, spe but specifically for promoting urination to treat Lin syndrome. If we wanted to say anything special, we would say this one is for gaolin or cloudy lin. So this is especially for the dampness. So we can say for cloudy, cloudy urine, where the dampness is actually coming out in the urine and causing it to turn cloudy, or even for vaginal discharge due to dampness in the lower jowl. So that's why if you want to remember something special about bichier, I might remember gaolin because that stands out. But maybe you just want to remember that belongs to this category, drain dampness and promoting urination to treat Lin syndrome. Yes. Donquetze, Donquetze, Malvi fructus, Donquetze, or we can call it Donquetze, Donquetze, Malvi fructus. Again, it's in this category, herbs that treat Lin syndrome, it treats Lin syndrome. Uh, we can say it's for hot lin, uh, so burning sensation. It's good for bloody lin or blood in the urine, or it's good for stone lin when we have stone urinary tract stones. We can say it's for this. It also promotes urination through edema. You can maybe remember it benefits the breasts for insufficient for insufficient lactation um, due to stagnation. So again, this is similar to mutong, but also painful swollen breast, early stage breast abscess. So the thing about when we talked about heat toxicity, pugongying, we said was good for breast abscess. We said that um, mang xiao, the salt, could be applied externally for breast abscess. And by taking care of those breast abscesses, it could help the milk flow. This is kind of a similar thing where it can be either for insufficient lactation due to stagnation or for some painful swollen uh, mastitis or breast abscess and moistens the large intestine to relieve constipation. So yeah, this is another herb that has dong in the name. Maybe that's another, may, I guess maybe you could, you can think the same thing. You got, you had too much dong and you ended up with a UTI. You ended up with that uh, burning sensation when you pee, you got blood in your urine. It's because you had too much dong. Benefits the breast. I'm sure there's some dong penis joke we can make in there. Moistens the large intestine. I'm not going to judge you based on where you like your dong. So dong quetza, good for those things. I'd probably just remember um, 
Maybe just remember Lynn syndrome. If you want to remember benefits, the breast, you can do that too. Moistens large intestine. That's really just because it's a seed. Like we said, these seeds tend to have oils that generally lubricate the large intestine. And maybe that's important if you like dong. Sure way, pyrosii folium. I think this is why they don't let me teach in real schools anymore. Sure way, pyrosii folium. Sure way. Promotes urination to treat Lynn syndrome. We're in the category promoting urination to treat Lynn syndrome. This herb promotes urination to treat Lynn syndrome. Again, we can use it for hot Lynn, painful uh, burning sensation, bloody Lynn, blood in the urine, or for stone Lynn due to damp heat. So maybe, so even though we say it's for all three of those, I think the way, the one I remember is, like we said, sure means stone. And so this is especially, this is good for stone lin. So that's what I remember about this herb. Uh, clears heat and stops bleeding. So again, if we have an herb that clears heat and stops bleeding and an herb that treats lin syndrome, we put them together. It's probably a really good herb for bloody lin. Also for lung heat. I'm not sure how often it's used for that. Again, I would just remember this is in our category Lin syndrome. Good for Lin syndrome. Oh, good, we're finally done. Jin Qian Sao. This is this is another one that it's not on the syllabus. I believe it's not on the NCCOM list, but I like to include it because it's actually a very useful herb. It's an herb that you should have in your clinic. It's an herb that you should be familiar with. Jin Qian Sao. Uh, I don't know what that Latin name is supposed to be, but Jin Qian Sao means gold coin leaf. Jin means gold. Uh, like we said, that Jin Yin Hua is a gold and silver flower. Jin means gold. Jin Qian Sao means gold coin leaf. And yes, it's in this category that it promotes urination, but I'd say its specialty is that it's good for stones. So we say promotes urination and expels stones. For So it's good for various types of lin, but especially for sure lin or stone lin. So you can use it for urinary tract stones or kidney stones. Clears liver, gallbladder, damp heat, and expels stones. So it's good for gallstones. So, so that's why I think this is a good um, herb to have because these are things you might see. And this is something that, I mean, it could be if a person has kidney stones. That's a very serious thing. You want them to go to the doctor. You want them to go to the ER and, and make sure they don't have any problems. But maybe as an adjunctive treatment, uh, some people might use jin qian sao, uh, to help with that because this is something that we can just drink it. You can use it as a single herb and just drink it as a tea. So it's a leaf. You can just uh, pour it in there and pour boiling water over it and drink it as a tea. The dosage is larger than average, 15 to 30 grams. So if you're going to do this, you need to use a, a pretty good dosage of it. Um, but we use this for stones. Let me just mention here, Jin Qian Sao means gold coin herb. And so actually, uh, I think this might be the first one we learned, but eventually there are three herbs that uh, have this action of dissolving stones. They all have Jin in the name. So this one, Jin Qian Sao, gold coin leaf, um, Hai Jin Sha, and then Jin A Jin is chicken gizzard. So you can think that chicken gizzards are part of a chicken's digestive tract that chickens peck and they eat stones and they get these stones in their gizzard to help them digest food. So chicken gizzards are good for dissolving stones. You can eat, you can take this lining of the chicken gizzard and use it to dissolve stones. But the one in this category is Jin Qian Sao. So that might be, it's usually not on our syllabus, but we usually have it in our clinic, in our herb room. 
and it's a good one to know. So in this category of herbs that treat Lynn syndrome, we can, we can talk about some formulas. So basically, we said that Bensky just has one big list of herbs that drain dampness, but these other books divided up that herbs that treat edema, herbs that treat Lynn syndrome, and herbs that treat jaundice. And one of the reasons I feel confident that we can divide it up this way is our major formula for treating damp heat Lynn syndrome is called Ba Jung San. I must have done a really bad job of uh, copying and pasting. Ba Jung San is eight rectification powder. Apparently I copied and pasted and forgot to change the English names. So Ba Jung San is uh, eight rectification powder. This is our main formula for damp heat Lynn syndrome with dark, turbid, scanty, difficult, and painful urination. The tongue has a yellow greasy coat because there's damp heat. Uh, that damp heat is blocking the smooth flow of urine, but it gets reflected on the tongue as a yellow greasy coat. It gets reflected in the pulse as a rapid, slippery pulse. Rapid means heat. Slippery means dampness. Rapid and slippery means damp heat. Anyway, this is our main formula for damp heat Lynn syndrome. There are eight ingredients. Six of those eight ingredients were basically just listing out the herbs in that category. So that's why I say we can be pretty confident that these herbs, that their specialty is treating Lynn syndrome because just we just put all of them together into this formula for treating damp heat Lynn syndrome. So Ba Jung San, this is probably a very famous formula, something you'll probably definitely see being used in the clinic. I would say it's almost overused that whenever somebody comes in with a UTI, they automatically think, let's give them Ba Jung San, eight herb rectification powder. You can see Mu Tong, uh, Tong means to unblock free flow. It's unblocking the free flow of urine. Hua Shi was talcum slippery stone. We said it's a very important herb for uh, Lin syndrome due to heat. Chichenza was our plantain seed. We have Chu Mai and Bian Shu. We said we often use these together as paired herbs. Deng Xin Sao, that was our lampwick herb. That's good for heart heat, but here we're using it for the action of promoting urination to treat Lin syndrome. Then these, the other two herbs that are not from this category, it turns out we've already learned those as well. So when we say Jirtze gardenia fructus, that was in the drain fire category. We said that Jirtze uh, clears heat from all three jiao and it specifically drains it out through the urine. So this is another urination herb. Da Huang is rhubarb root. Da Huang, ray radix et rhizoma. That was in our last category of downward draining herbs. Da Huang is really good for treating constipation. But if you remember, we had all these functions of Da Huang. We said it purges the large intestine. It's good for clearing heat. It's good for invigorating the blood. And at the very end, we said it's good for damp heat, especially for jaundice and Lin syndrome. And so the reason I brought that up is because it's in this very famous formula for Lin syndrome. So Da Huang, we can, I can pretty confidently say, has an action of treating Lin syndrome because it's in this formula, Ba Jung San. So this, this I just like to bring up because you're going to see this formula used in clinic. And it's basically we took all of these herbs that, that treat Lin syndrome and just stuck them together in one formula. And that's Ba Jung San, a very famous formula for treating uh, urinary tract infections or difficult, painful, burning urination, possibly with blood in the urine. And then our last of those categories, we, we said when we have uh, herbs that drain dampness, we could divide it up into 
herbs that treat edema, herbs that treat Lynn syndrome, and then herbs that treat jaundice. And there was only one herb in our herbs that treat jaundice, and that is yin chen. Some people call it yin chen. Some people call it yin chen hao. So Artemisiae scoparii herba, yin chen or yin chen hao. Basically, yin chen is very good for jaundice. Yin chen is our number one herb for jaundice. Technically, we can use it for either yin type jaundice or yang type jaundice. So yang type jaundice due to damp heat or yin type jaundice due to cold damp, depending on how we combine it. I think if we want to use it for yin type jaundice, we have to combine it with some other herbs. But either way, yin chen hao is our number one herb for jaundice. If you remember anything about yin chen hao, think jaundice. Whenever you see yin chen hao, think jaundice. So it turns out we have a formula for jaundice. It's called yin chen hao tong. Guess what the chief herb of yin chen hao tong is? It's yin chen hao. So here we have, this is a formula for yang type or damp heat jaundice. So whole body jaundice with a color that resembles fresh tangerine. So I think yin type jaundice has more of a dull yellow color. This is bright tangerine. Slight abdominal tension, urinary difficulty. Cause again, we have damp heat blocking the smooth flow of urine. Thirst, and we only take little sips. Um, yeah, so sometimes we say, this says thirst with, with little sips or sometimes we say, thirst with no desire to drink and this is a damp heat thing that because of the heat we feel thirsty but because of the dampness we don't want to drink anything so we can say thirst with no desire to drink or here we're saying thirst but you only take little sips because uh, the heat makes you thirsty but you got all this dampness you don't want to like chug a whole bunch of water because oh, you got this dampness so you only take little sips and little or no sweating sweating only i don't know why we say sweat anyway yellow greasy coat because of the damp heat, rapid slippery pulse, because of the damp heat. This is jaundice due to damp heat. What, when you see jaundice, what herb should you think of? Think of yin chen hao. But again, we also see some other herbs we learned. Jirtzu, good for clearing, um, clears heat from all three jiao and drains it out through the urine. We probably, if you go back and look at your jirtzu notes, we probably said something about it treating jaundice. Here's an example of jirtzu treating jaundice. And again, we have Da Huang, big yellow. We said Da Huang, besides being a purgative, it also clears damp heat for Lin syndrome and jaundice. Da Huang, Huang means yellow. Jaundice is when your skin turns yellow. Huang means yellow, you pee out yellow stuff. So Da Huang is good for urination problems and for jaundice. And so here we have a couple examples of Da Huang being used in that way. But the point here is this is Yin Chen Hao Tong. And it's our uh, it's a formula for jaundice. So whenever you see yin chen or yin chen hao, think jaundice. It can be used externally to treat damp related skin problems. If I were to remember anything about yin chen or yin chen hao, I would think jaundice. So those are our herbs that drain dampness. So if you want to do a quick summary. First, we start off with all, all of our foolings. Remember, um, we start off in uh, herbs that treat edema, or we could say dampness disinhibiting, swelling dispersing medicinals is a Nigel Weissman way of saying 
promotes urination to treat edema. So our first one is Fuling. Remember Fuling, it's bland in flavor because it promotes urination, but it's also sweet in flavor because it tonifies the spleen. So we definitely want to remember those two things about Fuling. Churfuling is red Fuling. Red means heat. Churfuling is for edema with heat signs or urination problems with heat signs. Fuling pee is the skin of Fuling. It's good for edema under the skin. Again, we saw that with our formula Wu Pisan, five peel powder. Fu Shen is the part that includes the root. Fu Shen calms the Shen. After that, we had Juling. Juling sounds similar to Fuling, but Juling is different in that it's better at promoting urination. It does not tonify the spleen like Fuling does, and it's colder in temperature. So Juling, a more powerful diuretic action, but it doesn't have that tonifying action that Fuling does. Zixie, water plantain. Zixie uh, promotes urination, but specifically lower jowl. Remember, Zixie entered the kidney UB channel. So, so think about lower jowl. Donguatsa drains damp, especially for vaginal discharge, because you you're you're into dong and you got a you got a yeast infection. It's also good for some large intestine issues or lung abscess. Hanfangji, it does promote urination to drain dampness, but it also treats hot bee syndrome. Other books will actually put this in the bee syndrome category. So Hanfangji is Stefania tetrandiuretics. Uh, that Stephanie, she's a hot bee. Ee Ren, Job's Tears. Uh, again, kind of similar to Fuling in that it's bland in flavor because it promotes urination, but it's sweet in flavor because it tonifies the spleen. So we use this in a lot of uh, spleen chi deficiency with dampness formulas, especially when there's either edema or diarrhea due to dampness. We also said it's good for bee syndrome and some other things, but I would remember similar to fooling, sweet and bland because it promotes urination and tonifies. After that, we got into our Lin syndrome one. So Chichenza is plantain seed. Good for Lin syndrome, edema, diarrhea, so that lower jowl damp stuff. Hua sure is talcum powder, so very important for Lin syndrome. Also clears summer heat. We haven't had a lot of herbs that clear summer heat, so remember Hua sure is good for summer heat. Mu Tong, Tong means free flow or unblock, so it uh, unblocks the urine, so the urine can come out. It unblocks the nipples, so the breast milk can come out. It unblocks the channels to treat B syndrome. But mutong is also very important for heart heat pouring into the small intestine. It comes up in that formula Daochersan, guide out the red powder. Dengqin Sao, Junsi Medulla, also good for Lin syndrome. We saw it come up in that Ba Jungsan. But uh, Sao also for heart heat pouring in the small intestine, especially for childhood uh, sleep disorder. So childhood dis insomnia, childhood night terrors. Sao means lamp wick herb. And so you can think about if your children have night terrors, you want to turn on a night light or you want to light a lamp. So use lamp wick herb. Chumai and Banshu are good for Lin syndrome. Difutsa. Good for Lin syndrome, but can also be used externally to treat damp heat skin problems. So we can use it for problems on the skin. We can use it as a wash if you got a yeast infection or things like that. Bichie, Lin syndrome. If you want, you can think Gao Lin. Uh, Shur Wei, Lin syndrome. Shur means stone, so that's why I think of 
Stone Lin. Dong Quetza, good for Lin syndrome. Also benefits the breasts. And you said it's kind of like a Mutong and uh, Dong Quetza are the ones here that benefit the breasts. But um, Dong Quetza also think about like breast abscess mastitis in terms of benefiting breasts. Not only treating lactation, also treating breast abscess mastitis. And then Yin Chen or Yin Chen Hao, think jaundice. So Yin Chen, Yin Chen Hao, think jaundice. And those are our herbs that drain dampness. So that's it for this category, herbs that drain dampness. That was a long one. We're at like two hours right now. It is 10, 10 p.m. my time. I'm running out of steam. So that's what we're going to say for herbs that drain dampness. If you're here live, thank you for being here live. If you're watching this on the replay, thanks for watching this on the replay. Um, as always, special thank you to the Patreon members for supporting the YouTube channel, the website, and everything we do. Uh, we've been going through all of the categories as live streams and then recording them. So we have live lectures. I think some, some people prefer the style more than the condensed version. Sometimes I try to make a scripted form where I get everything down. It concises concise but complete as possible. This is more of a free form, me babbling and saying inappropriate things that I will probably regret later. So I think some people like this form a little bit better. Um, but this is something we've been going through all the categories. Uh, uh, we'll pick up next time in Herbology 2 with um, herbs that treat bee syndrome or herbs that dispel wind dampness. But again, thank you to the Patreon members for supporting this website. If you want to support them, there are different ways you can do it. You can uh, join the Patreon and that's like a monthly pledge. You can give a one-time donation through Buy Me a Coffee. You can send me a package of peanut M&Ms through my P.O. box, which is listed in the description below. Um, or there's also some, there's some merchandise and some affiliate links. If you want to buy things through Amazon, you can use the affiliate links to give me a commission, even though I think everybody hates Amazon right now. Speaking of draining dampness and peeing into bottles. There are notes on the website. I think as of this recording, I don't have flashcards or a practice test, but that's going to be something I'm doing in the next couple days. So if you're watching a recording of this, go to tcmstudy.net. Under the Herbology 1 tab, there will be some notes, flashcards, and practice tests. If you want to know when, the web, uh, when we come out with new content, you can join the mailing list, and that's kind of the best way to keep in touch. Or join the Facebook, join the Instagram, where I make silly memes and say also inappropriate things in picture form on Instagram. I think that's all we have for today. Oh, if you want to, um, this is like an extended uh, two-hour lecture on this category. If you're studying for finals, studying for year ends, maybe studying for boards, uh, we do have uh, review courses, which are a little bit more concise, where we just go through each herb and say one or two important things about each herb. And so that's probably better if you're rather than studying in depth, if you're just reviewing for finals. There are review courses. That's a paid course. It's on Teachable. And so there we go through all of the categories. We go through all of the herbs. There are handouts, videos, practice tests. There, the, There's the audio version. If you don't want to watch the video, you just want to listen to it. There's the audio version as well. And so that's in the description below as well. If you're studying for boards, rather than doing the single herb one, I'd say just do there's a formula review, 
go through that where you go through all of the formulas on the NCCUM list. So those are paid courses that you go to teachable.com to log into those, but there are links to that in the description below. That's another way we you can support the website and the YouTube channel. At this point, I'm rambling. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Have a good night. Thank you.